Welcome to episode number eight of Chickpea Powered, the podcast for vegan athletes and entrepreneurs who want to change the world. Today's episode features Jeremy Haynes, high-level entrepreneur, vegan CEO of Megalodon Marketing, a digital agency dedicated to personality brands. Man, it is such a blessing to be able to have him on the show. I don't want to talk too much. I really want him to share exactly what he's got for us today, man. You are crazy if you don't listen to the interview all the way to the end. Listen, I suck at intros, okay? I've tried them no matter how I try. Like, it's, <laughs> always, it's always a struggle for me. So listen, I know you're you're an amazing, like, Megalodon Marketing, big CEO. How about you tell us something that no one knows about you? Yeah, absolutely. So number one, uh, I think a lot of people have no clue how truly entrenched into consciousness I am. Like, when it comes to studying like energy and trying to – I use words like symmetry and harmony a lot. I really don't think people understand in marketing and just in life for everything that I do as an entrepreneur and just as, as I do as a person and as a man as I continue to grow and become more wise, um, everything I try to do is just to become more harmonious and become more symmetrical and aligned and less in conflict with everything around me that exists. Um, so I don't, I don't think a lot of people can really appreciate that about me yet. Not really expect a lot of people to, but mm-hmm. you know. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> nice, like it. And maybe starting off directly into veganism, do you remember a specific moment, like an aha moment, where you decided, man, I got to go vegan? Yeah, so I was in Los Angeles where I split live. Um, my girlfriend lives in West Hollywood. I have uh, an office out there in Beverly Hills. And the, the people there, I, I said this very commonly when I was there, and it proves true where I'm at now in Miami as well that it is so easy to become a vegan in Los Angeles because almost every singular food that you could imagine as a non-vegan food, I I mean all the way down to steaks and burgers and like whatever your favorite chicken recipe is over to any dish you could imagine has been made into a vegan dish, including pastries, cakes, all the bad stuff you could be eating too. Um, But the the specific moment to be quite frank was just (laughs) I I became aware of like everything. I didn't, I didn't understand that, uh, food was so important until there was like, I don't know, the fucking seventh or ninth nutrition book I've read and it just finally clicked. It was, there was just, there was fine. I didn't, I didn't grow up in an educated place for nutrition. So I grew up in Ohio. So my mom was like feeding me freezer food and she was babysitting a bunch of other kids. So I I didn't have any of that in school. They didn't really focus on, uh, what you could actually eat, like what recipes there were that were healthy. It was just you know, it was Ohio, it was factory workers. So, um, it was up to me to, to self-educate. I didn't really self-educate until I started getting money. And then, you know, I started getting money. I made, I made a lot more money and it enabled me to, uh, afford a nicer lifestyle for myself. Mm-hmm. But just cause you make money doesn't mean you're going to get a nicer lifestyle. Cause you still have to be educated on what it truly takes to be a higher performance person and to enable yourself to have more time. The, the one moment, dude, I was just fucking, I was just stressed. I, it, all that data I just explained clicked mm-hmm. at one time. Yeah. And I was just like, I need to make a monumental diet change. Um, my girlfriend started feeding me vegan food she, for six days straight. She's, you know, like I said, it's pretty normal. Didn't didn't really seem too too crazy. Um, I immediately like had less bloating. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a lot of immediate effects for sure. I, I can go in detail on that, but more more of the story is uh, the one moment was just, you know, I I kind of want to be a much higher performance person, everything I've ever read or studied and every person I've ever studied that's higher than me in life on the scale that I'm trying to get to and the magnitude that they perform at, they, they all recommend going vegan. So I just tried it out. I don't let myself hold myself back. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And 
going back to West Knight's interview, I remember you were talking about the process yeah. and using the metaphor of the baby, saying how a baby takes time to grow and you can't just expect them to start running like that. But yeah, very true. it seems that with veganism, you just were able to click like that. So how do you distinguish when you're able to click and just make the pivot point and really take the time to make a process if you get the, the well, question? I would elaborate on that a little more. Yeah. And I would say that when you choose to start building a new skill or changing a diet or you know getting into a new fitness routine, you, you don't just automatically become a master you know mm -hmm. you're you're not just automatically pivoted you know and it doesn't just automatically happen when i made the choice and then took the first literal action it's not like there's a whole all of a sudden like jack in the box that i opened up like Poo! you know <laughs> everything changed no dude it's like i woke up the next day when I said I want to be a vegan, it's like I still love bacon, steaks, like butter, like all this stuff. Like it's like I'm I like these are my these are your habits, right? So your keystone habits are the things that are the underlying habits that are really really subconscious and I want to say more hardwired and and really tough to overcome. Below the age of 25, we have the benefit of being able to rewire our neuroplasticity pretty easily mm -hmm. just from desirable change. And we leverage that change from like new information or new performance or whatever we desire that can help us achieve our goals. After 25, kind of sucks because you have to you have to have fear, pain, suffering, uh, or some kind of monumental forced shift that radically occurs, typically from a, a source of pain. So it could be you end up having a heart surgery when you're like 50, and your doctor's like, "Well, let's be real, Bob. You've been eating like dog shit your entire life, and it's time to make a diet change and start eating vegetables." For in the first time in 30 years, you know, and that's really hard for Bob because in that moment, it's like all of his underlying habits that have been ingrained for like five decades, you know, like yeah. what think of all the advertising. Think so, for example, lobbying people have no clue just because they can't think this big. Even when I say what I'm about to say, some some soft chump minded person might might hear what I'm about to say and literally be like. Oh, no, it doesn't happen just because their brain can't actually perceive the level of business that transacts beyond what they can comprehend in a fucking dollar store exchange or something. Mm -hmm. So the perspective that I'm about to say with lobbying is massive. So get this level of business first. There are people who just have a perspective that they need others to have, but they can't go advertise like a company. OK, so the company who, let's say, sells the chickens and all of the warehousing and benefits on the land or whatever is the most money being made in a particular area of business, that person might make more money than the farmer, than the distributor, than what if that same person though owns 75% or in the Rockefeller's case, for example, they owned 90% of the oil all the way up to 1911. 90% of the entire oil market was owned by the Rockefellers to 1911, and then the government came in. That's when we started creating monopoly uh, laws, and what happened in that moment, it's not bad really. It distributed that 90% into different companies, which the guy still owned, but they were now different companies that were all smaller, so competition could exist again, but the competition was really like his own companies now co-owned by other people as well. So what happens when you get to these, these um, massive levels – Think about this. The Rockefeller then becomes buried behind enormous companies. So to the extremely small-minded turd who's trying to perceive what I'm saying, it's like they can't see like the, 
the big heavies. And in this case, I'm not saying that there's a Rockefeller in every scenario. But let's say somebody makes $100 million, or nowadays even a billion to $5 billion. Really is not a lot of money in a business. Uh, different people on the Forbes 100 float in between being a billionaire and like 50 billion now. There will be a trillionaire within our lifetime. And I'm talking from the age of 23 right now as a millennial. So mm -hmm. the moral of the story is the people that are behind the scenes, they're going to pay enormous, enormous, enormous amounts of money to people that, keep in mind, they don't have a company to advertise. And their companies that they co-own, they can advertise somewhat, but hear me out. It's much more effective to be able to control the mind of people with what digital marketers would look at with like black hat SEO or black hat digital marketing, which are some like dirtier tricks and tactics like, uh, for example, protesting particular places or uh, mm. in the news if you own distribution channels of some kind. Or it's very easy when you're an entrepreneur and you're aware of the PR industry. You can just pay 2500 to 5 k maybe 10 k tops to get into the biggest distribution channels. I can literally for – under about 2000 bucks, put something in ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox and publish it with whatever headline, whatever article, and whatever image I want. So the, the perspective that when you own those things, it's all just, it's all just lobbying. You know? So anyway, hear me out. Back to, back to us as entrepreneurs and our diets. When I became aware of the big level of business that went on and then my attention was drawn to the food industry specifically, there's all types of propaganda. And Netflix, you can go watch. I mean, they, they have that Rotten movie now. They have uh, – what's the big one that, yeah, that was a good Conspiracy. kicker? Conspiracy. Um, yeah, that's a good one. There's uh, – What the hell? Yeah, what, yeah. What the, that was a big one for everybody. Um, there's – I mean, there's all types of stuff that you can mm -hmm. go watch. I, I personally watch a lot on YouTube. I read a lot of books. But then uh, my girlfriend is big into the movies and stuff like that. So anyway, moral of the story is when I was able to connect what I already know – to that specifically and then ask myself, okay, every high-level person I've ever studied is a vegan now. Like everything around me makes it really easy to become a vegan. Uh, everybody that I'm seeing when I just observe that lobbying perspective is definitely lobbying, you know, and that, that doesn't make me have confidence in everything I've ever learned. That's what that's the hard part for people, is they don't have that's the reason I explained all that. They don't have the comprehension to unlearn what they've already learned. Because you can't see why you would need to unlearn it. So that's when I had a big kick of trying to transition to becoming a vegan. And it, and immediately that leverage whenever I would have hard moments like, oh, I want to have – like do I want cheese on my fries or something like that? It's like, mm -hmm. no, dude. It's like think about the enormous amount of money that was spent to get you to think that cheese is the, is the, is the thing. You know, In my head, I was like, why do I want cheese? It's like sometimes I would be like, oh, there's additional protein in like milk or cheese or – this particular meat source, lo and behold, every single vegetable has an enormous amount of protein. Dude, you can have hemp seeds, edamame, cauliflower, uh, <laughs> broccoli, asparagus, fucking pumpkin seeds. Uh, there's so many, so many literal things that I thought this is the crazy part. Growing up, I don't even think I was told that those things had protein in them because that's what I'm trying to explain, guys. Lobbying puts the money. Not to not to tell you that those things are wrong. They've always told you to eat vegetables and eat good, you know. But the diet. Think about this. Think about the recommended diet. Okay. Hmm. So if, if what's called the CDC, which is giant auditing board where corporations are kind of checked, it's like the checks and balances systems for making mm -hmm. sure that large lobbying things like aren't happening inside of corporations and politics, a big thing. But a lot of dirty things do happen, and a lot of things slide by. And a lot of politicians, a lot of people are paid off to ensure 
that that pyramid, for example, in the United States that's recommended for our different diets, these things have horrible things for you comparatively to to just not telling you all of the other stuff. So it's not it's not just a of reframing of your mind you have to do. It's just that you're uneducated in an area. So they told you things about this that aren't necessarily wrong, right? There's just things that far outweigh the benefits of this by so much that it's it's incomparable if you would compare the two, that that's where being a vegan comes in or being a vegetarian comes in. It's just that once you see how truly outweighed it is, just in an, in an educated way, for so many things that you probably didn't ever know, that's when that's when the dots can connect. When you have all those conditioned thoughts that the other side is also putting into your head. Think about this. Like think about the people who are just like, Oh, you're a vegan, like you just eat grass. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You don't want to eat like yeah. I don't want to eat tomatoes, sliced tomatoes for every meal. It's like, well, hear me out, you know, in the middle part of America and different parts of the world, absolutely. You know, you might go to a restaurant and you might say you're a vegan and they might have no clue what the fuck that means, you know? And that sucks for you. Because they might mistreat you in those moments if you're not educated enough to be able to order something that does supplement. It's it's like becoming a sovereign man or a sovereign woman in a, in a sense. You know, you have to become much more educated. Like once you become a vegan, dude, supplements, uh, taking taking B vitamins, taking iodine, um, not forgetting about the little things that you are now missing. You, you're actually missing uh, a specific neurochemical. I'm trying to remember. It starts with an A. It's like fucking ten syllables long. It's not dopamine. It's not serotonin. It's the other one literally required for happiness. And the perspective <laughs> Yes. Something so the, like that. the perspective is that you completely lose key nutrients, but you're not gonna know that because there's not really a key source of education that's been created. There's not like a library of veganism. Don't get me wrong though. There are extreme people out there that will that will educate you and give you diets and help you understand all this stuff, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't per, like recommend one particular source. I get my my data from everywhere, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. And going back to your question about education, mm-hmm. man, I ask people like, hey, what's your tip on influencing other people and inviting them into the into the vegan community? And oftentimes they say, well, you have to look good. You have to look. You have to have the glowing skin. You have to show them, man, I've got muscles. But I'm not always satisfied with that answer. I feel that it doesn't have the impact that I want. So, what's your approach in sharing veganism in your life? Dude, I've learned I've learned uh, at the age of 18 when I first started getting into uh, like real life, if you will, that if you attempt to shift or control other people's actions, like becoming a vegan, for example, think about the responsibility that you're taking on just in that thought of of I desire to change somebody else's perspective because the the depth of change that's required as I just went over. Think about the leverage one has to create inside of themselves. It's like the reasoning I created was my reasoning. No, nobody else gave me that reasoning. It's like that was my reasoning and that if I was going off somebody else's reasoning, I probably wouldn't do it, right? It has to come from my desire of change. And so I don't, I don't necessarily go to seek creating the change in others per se because mm-hmm. it's, it's a self-choice and things that are outside of my control, uh, especially like that, would just create unnecessary stress. Uh, it would create unnecessary open cycles that, you know, would require my time, energy, and attention. And uh, those, my time, energy, and attention are precious. They're much more, uh, you know, usable and valuable in other ways beyond just trying to change people to become a vegan. Um, I would, I point people when they're like, "Hey, uh, how'd you lose so much weight?" or how, how are you staying up like 17 hours in a day and getting getting five hours of sleep comfortably? Or how are you transitioning to 
doing like all these high performance things consistently, you know, uh, why do you always look like you're on a, on like six cups of coffee? You know, why, why don't you drink coffee? Um, that's when people have interest in any specific area of, uh, something that's come as a result of being a vegan. That's when I just say, Hey, it just comes from being a vegan. Uh, but I quickly acknowledge right away. I'm like, but I'm not the kind of vegan to like push it on you. You know, I will answer questions about it if you genuinely want to know. But, you know, it, yeah, I don't, I don't want to change your perspective. And then I find people, as soon as I say that, will naturally become much more open if they're genuinely interested to ask the questions that, you know, they might have to create that self-interest. Because if we force our perspective onto people, we won't be able to see what could be the possibility to help them make a transition. Okay, okay. Nice question. Nice answer. I like it. I like that. And maybe going back to like sustainable entrepreneur, because you're a high level entrepreneur, like you said, man, you make a lot of money. And I feel like looking at others, it's really easy to start just focusing on the money. And now as a vegan entrepreneur, as a sustainable entrepreneur, how are you able to incorporate that into your business without taking advantage of people and taking, again, lobbying, if you get the question? Yeah, um, I, I don't necessarily understand the question, but yeah. I would explain it like a little differently. The perspective I think I think I understood was that yeah. being a high level performance entrepreneur, like how do I incorporate that as exactly. as I'm also what? Yeah, exactly. So I I find it necessary to even you know call yourself a high performance entrepreneur. You have to be able to really ingrain a perspective of successful habits, self improvement, improving your environment around you, improving everybody around you, helping bring people's perspective. Um, to something that can improve them matters in my life. I just I lead by example You know, I don't I don't manage people by telling um, I, I just lead people to successful results if you will so from my perspective as an entrepreneur I find that it was a necessary Performance boost that I wouldn't have been able to achieve otherwise and I would never have been able to tell or even come close to acknowledging that it'd be a change that I needed if I didn't just try it <laughs> <laughs> okay like that like that and man i just i just feel like going down the Absolutely. rabbit hole but i respect your time man and i just want to ask you maybe one last question absolutely what's up sure so <laughs> you talked about five hours of sleeping and man i hear all the time like i play the sleeping game i try to sleep four hours five hours i did it for a week then it didn't work anymore and i yep. feel just it's a horrible approach until i heard that you were doing it on west Knight's uh podcast so i'm really interested in your approach and how you're able to sleep five hours a day yeah, so my energy, it's, it comes at different times. So depending on when you would find me as a person, I would sleep at different times, uh, different intervals, depending upon my energy levels, depending on my, my diet. Being a vegan, I find that my energy is through the roof. If I wanted to, um, I feel like I could stay up longer than that. But for the perspective of regenerating my body and not just pushing myself mentally to then uh, disrespect my temple, if you will, I ensure that I get five hours of sleep because my REM cycle is about two and a half hours. So if I if I go to bed in a, in a very tired state, I'll sleep maybe six hours, maybe seven hours on one day a week basis or in every other day a week basis. When I usually go to bed, I don't, I don't ever sleep with alarms. I wake up. More of the story is my sleep gets shorter or a little longer depending upon my REM cycles that are necessary for me to get – um, the amount of recharge I need from sleeping. I find two REM cycles are necessary. No way I could I could sleep like two and a half hours and wake up and then go do what I need to do and then sleep another two and a half hours later in the day. Uh, maybe at one point in my life I try that, but for now, uh, I just 
you know, sleep is so critical. Sleep so so necessary. Um, and I don't try to skimp myself. Like I'm not I'm not pushing five hours just because I I want to sleep for only five hours. Um, at one point in my life, from from sleeping eight hours, just from being told to sleep eight hours, sometimes pushing ten in younger ages. I, you know, when you just realize how much there is to do, I think your own mind, you know, naturally wakes you up to go do what you need to do and acquire what you want to do, especially when you have the confidence to do these things. So as I continue growing in my passion and, and especially on times where I'm, I'm in key parts of a mission or achieving a particular objective in business or in my personal life, I find that I'm even more enthused just to, you know, sleep less not out of the fact that I desire to stay up longer, but out of the fact my body needs less recharge because my body has more energy, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I really like the approach of not limiting yourself. Like a lot of people in the bodybuilding world, they limit their diet, they limit, limit, limit. But I like the way you bring it up and optimizing and just saying it's natural for you. And you worry about yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Constant data measurement is key for this kind of perspective to make sense for people because without the data, without really being able to observe um, your diet. There's a website, for example, it's called myviome.com, and it's owned by that Najin. Uh, it's owned by the billionaire Indian gentleman who also owns a few different space companies. He's really into like space rocks and meteors and asteroids and all that stuff. He's a big private collection. Anyway, this guy came out of this gut test where when you take it, you essentially just do a blood draw and then you send it in and they test your biome, or your biome is what it's called. And the moral of the story is you're getting back a long sheet, and there's tons of people that do this in local areas just based on blood tests as well, where you're essentially looking at a list of foods in the different cooked states that they're in as well and what you may have microallergens to or what is not appropriate to eat during different seasons of the year because you have a, a draw that gets pulled out of you. You actually lose energy when you eat certain plants and vegetables around certain times of the year. You can, read, you can read a good book called Plant Paradox. It goes much more into depth on that. But the moral of the story is I just I constantly find that it's important to be able to observe this. Uh, this is much more uh, than just like a dietary change. Um, it's much more of like a lifestyle supplement. That I think is required once again, just to perform in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> awesome, awesome, like it. And how can people connect with you? Pretty simple. My Instagram is just my name, just at Jeremy J E R E M Y. Um, my Twitter, Facebook, everything else is the Jeremy Haynes. But you guys can also just go to Jeremy.expert on the internet. It has a URL to every single way you could connect with me. <laughs> awesome man well Jeremy thank you so much again for dropping by I really appreciate your time oh yeah I appreciate it Oliver and uh, thank you for doing this podcast man appreciate you getting the word <laughs> out thanks to all the listeners as well appreciate everybody yeah. uh, stopping in and you know whatever you end up doing just do it in an educated way <laughs> <laughs>